So glad you are here. We're going to continue our Faith Walk series where we're learning what it means to walk in faith by some of the heroes of Hebrews 11 we've been looking at. Have you ever felt outpowered, outmanned? Yeah, you ever got news? You're like, that's bigger than me. That, that, that obstacle's bigger than me. That, that, that debt's bigger than me. That report from the doctor's bigger than me. That news is bad. I don't like it. You ever feel like you're fighting an enemy that can't be defeated? It's a hopeless feeling, isn't it? Today we're going to look at Gideon, one of our Hall of Faith people that was mentioned in Hebrews 11. He also felt overpowered, overwhelmed in his life. Israel had turned to idol worship. Because Israel had turned to idol worship, God allowed the Midianites to to oppress them for seven years. They would come in and steal the crops. Can you imagine growing your crops for harvest? This is how you feed your family. This is how you provide for your family. And they come in and take all your crops, leaving you with hardly anything left. You can't make any extra money to pay your bills because they're taking everything and you're just scrapping, hoping to hide a little bit so that you and your family can survive. This is what was going on. They're, they're coming in, stealing from the people of Israel. God is allowing judgment to happen because they had built up all these false idols of worship. Even though God had already delivered them out of Pharaoh, had already brought them down the walls of Jericho, and even brought them into the promised land, how quickly we forget the promises of God. How quickly we forget our resources. How quickly we are. They hadn't forgot God, but they allowed other idols to stand up as well, and they were worshiping other idols along with God. But make no doubt about it. God says, I will not allow you or me or anybody else to have a God above him. He says, that is wrong. I don't want you to have any other idols above the Lord. No idols in our life. Gideon was no stranger to worry. He, he was constantly worrying. He was, he was not a strong warrior. He, he was a very weak mindset of person. But God shows up to him while he's hiding in the cave one day and says, hey, I see something in you you don't see in yourself. God saw a mighty man of valor. God saw a mighty warrior, a deliverer of his people. God was going to use him to help bring the children of Israel out of this oppression they had been under for seven years. God was going to use this man who thought he was weak. Now let's pick up this text in Hebrews 11 where it mentions him in verses 32 and 34. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount all these stories of faith of Gideon, who we're going to talk about today. He also mentions some others like Barak and Samson and Jebethath and David and Samuel and all the prophets. By what? Let's say it together. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of the fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Now we see something happening here that they see that they, by faith, they, they walked in a different mindset. They had a strength. They had a strength that happened here. They were able to see things. Look at the last part. Their weakness, look at this. Their, their weakness, go to that next verse. Their weakness was turned to what? strength, they became strong in battle and put the armies to fight. So we see all these people of great faith, their weaknesses 
turn to strength. I want you to get that message today. God wants to take your greatest weakness and make it your greatest strength. Pastor, how is that possible? It's not possible with you and me. But with God, all things are possible. And when you take your greatest strength and you succeed in your greatest strength, you're like, hey, see, it was a strength of mine. But when you take your weakness and you succeed in your weakness, you're like, that's God. (laughs) That's God. That's only God. I am not that good. I am not that strong. I am not that powerful. That was an area of weakness, and God turned it around and made it an area of strength. They became strong in the battle. Anybody feel like you're going through a battle today? Anybody walking through a hard season today? Anybody walking through the valley of the shadow of death today? Anybody walking really, really hard battle? Congratulations today. God wants to give you strength in the battle. He wants to make you become strong in the battle. It's in the battle where we grow our spiritual muscles. It's in the battle where we grow our faith. It's in the battle where our weaknesses become our strengths. It's in the battle where things are defined and developed in our life. It's where God does his best work in our life. This is how God works. God specializes in turning our weak points into strengths. Some people feel like your weakness is your, is your bad points. It's your problem. My weakness is my problems. Some people feel overwhelmed by the number of problems you face today. Some of you have anxiety and fear that just continue to hit you. You suffer with, with depression. You have other things happening. Can I tell you, you're not alone today? See, the enemy wants to tell you you're alone. You're the only one who's, who battling these thoughts. You're the only one who feels this way. First of all, that's a lie. That's a lie. We see some great men and women of God who battled through depression and anxiety and fear, but they didn't stay there. God raised them up as great people of faith. And just because you're going through that doesn't mean you have to stop there and accept that to be dominant in your life. God can set your mind free. God can set your heart free. God can set your life free. God can take your greatest weakness and turn it around for his strength in your life. Understand, this is the way God operates. You're not alone. I want you to know hope is in the house today. Hope is here. God can transform us into the greatest strengths that come from our weaknesses. He builds your faith and makes them stronger. He takes Gideon from a coward to a hero, to a mighty man of faith. Gives him victory when he felt outmatched and outnumbered and outpowered. So how did Gideon transform from a man of weakness, great weakness, to a man of great power, leadership, and victory? Number one, write this down. He found patience in the process. We don't like the process, do we? No, we want it my way now. We want to put it in the microwave and be done. We want things now. I want to push an app for that, right? There's got to be something that changes right now. Right now, right now. I want it right now. But listen, when you develop, God develops people over time. And he uses a process to develop you. So if you're not developed yet, doesn't mean God's not done with you yet. God works his best work over time. Understand this. He found patience in the process. Look at, look at this picture today. I, I think it kind of states this. The little boy came home with his homework. 
He had to answer the question, who is your hero? He said, my dad. Why is he your hero? Because he's brave. Is there anything your dad's frightened of? My mom. Some of you, it's funny, that's the way we feel sometimes, right? Dad's the hero, but woo! He's not always the bravest person in the world. Gideon never imagined himself of being a hero. Gideon never saw himself this way. I, I can probably tell you, not only did he not see himself that way, he probably had zero desire to be the hero. We don't see anywhere in his thought process that he was desiring to be the hero. He was, he was just trying to survive. He was just trying to get by. He was just trying to avoid the enemy at all costs and just get by. But God shows up and says, hey, you're hiding in the cave. But I, I know you're hiding here, but there's something different I want for your life. He's hiding in the cave. It says he, he took the wheat from his, his crops and he began to, to thrust them there. And as he's thrusting them there, what usually happens when you take the wheat, you would thrust it upon the ground or upon the rocks or hard surface out in the open because the wind would take all the bad parts and blow them down and then all the good parts would stay right there. And so this is how we get this all manufactured. So they go out in the wind, they beat it, the wind takes all the bad part away, all the good part stays there. One thing, if you're doing this in a cave, there's no wind. So we can see here, not only was Gideon weak in his mindset not only was he scared and walking around not a hero but he really isn't that smart i mean he's he's trying to separate this of this wheat in the cave without any wind but when you are scared you do desperate things when you're you're nervous and you're afraid you do things you don't make sense but he's in there hiding. He's trying to do this in a cave. It's not working. Can you imagine the frustration he must have been feeling as he's trying to do this? He's like, this would be so much easier if I was doing this out in the open. But if I go out in the open, I risk the enemy coming in and stealing away my food and my harvest. So he's frustrated. He's hiding in the cave, trying to get by with this. The angel shows up at Judges 6.12, and look what he says to him. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Can you imagine like, there must be somebody else in this cave. You see, I'm hiding. You see, I'm scared. You see, I'm in here trying just to survive. And you call me a hero? Not only to say mighty hero, but he says the Lord is with you. Listen, God wants to build your faith. He wants to build my faith. Hero, what hero is in this picture? I want you to get this. When God looks at you, he sees our destiny, not our history. So today, God looks at you as his mighty hero, mighty prayer warrior, mighty faith 
man, mighty faith woman today. He looks at you and says, I see greatness of God in you. I see you delivering your family. I see you being a light in the community. I see you leading a people. I see you leading ministry. I see you bringing all this thing that's happened in your life and you're taking an end to it and you're starting a new place for your family. You're starting a new heritage. You're going to take your family over to the promised land. You're cutting off generational curses in your life. You're cutting off poverty. You're cutting off things in your life and saying, we're going to walk in the blessing of the Lord. God sees that in you before you see it in yourself. Gideon tells the angel, this is what he says to him. When he, angel says, you're, you're a mighty hero. He goes, but I'm from the weakest tribe of Israel. Not only am I from the weakest tribe of Israel, he says, I'm, my family is the weakest family on the weakest tribe. I mean, you talk about feeling sorry for yourself. You talk about low self-esteem. That's what Gideon had. So today, if you have low self-esteem, hey, you're perfect for God to use. He comes in, he speaks to him, tries to call the greatness out, and he's like, man, I'm too weak for this. He's like, all right, if you want me to be a hero and you're really from God, he goes, God, I need a sign. And he didn't even realize he's talking to an angel, and he hands him the food and puts it on the rock, and all of a sudden the rock just flames shoot out, consume the whole food. He's like, okay, that might be a sign. <laughs> you think? He goes, oh, but God, if this is really you and you really wanted me to do this, he goes, I, I, need, I need a sign. And he says, all right, I'm going to take this fleece of wool, this blanket of wool, and I'm going to lay it out. And tomorrow morning when I wake up, I want the, this wool to be just soaked with dew and the ground to be completely dry. And, of course, he went to bed. When he got up in the morning, that's exactly what happened. The ground was completely dry. But it says he got up and he rang that, that fleece of wool out, and it just so much it filled up a whole bucket, of, a whole thing, a bowl of water. I mean, it was just soaked, even though the ground was dry around it. He goes, all right, God, that's a pretty good sign. But just to make sure, can you do the opposite tomorrow? So sure enough, the next day he wakes up, he goes out, and the wool is completely dry, and there's dew all around it. There's dew everywhere else, but this was left completely dry. So he sees this, and he starts building over days, and over times, God starts building his faith. Listen, our faith doesn't just happen overnight. Listen, your faith doesn't just grow overnight. You're going to have to face some cave moments in your life. You're going to have to face some times when the enemy's coming and taking from you. You're going to face some times when the enemy's up against you and in your face trying to intimidate you. There's going to be things you're like, God, I know I hear your voice, but God, is this really you? Give me a sign. God, this is really you. And somebody's going to come up and say, hey, I've been praying for you, and God wants you to know this. You're like, God, that's pretty good. But, you know, that's my sister. And maybe she knows too much. God, I need more than that. And next week, somebody, a coworker comes up and says, hey, let me tell you something. And they tell you the exact same thing. You're like, okay, that person was not even spiritual. And they come up and tell me something. Okay, all of a sudden, it takes time, but God begins to build our faith, and it doesn't happen overnight. Faith is sustained and built day after day, week after week, year after year. 
If you're not a mighty man of faith today or a mighty woman of faith today, it's okay. God is still developing you. But what I want you to understand, God doesn't want you to stay in your cave forever. He wants to call you out of the dark place. He wants to call you out of the place you're hiding from. He wants to call you out of your fear. He wants to call you out of your greatest fears and say, you know what? God is with you, mighty man. God is with you, mighty woman of valor today. God is with you. It doesn't happen overnight. See, Gideon was fearful before he was faithful. And that's what we see. That's what I love about the story. The Bible doesn't just come in and paint him this great man of faith. We see just the opposite. I mean, he had Barney Five syndrome all about him. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm sure as he got to, to talk of faith, I, I'm sure he had a big thing of water. He's drinking water. His mouth all dry. He's shaking. I'm sure he's thinking, oh, what am I trying to do? I mean, he is fearful. And we can see this man. He's, as I read the story, I see a man shaking in his boots, man. This guy is really nervous, really scared. But God begins a process of showing himself to. It's a process. See, Psalms 144, look what it says. Psalms 144, verse 1. Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who what? Let's say it out loud. Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. God trains my hands for war. That means it's a process. God's training me. So God is going to allow you to face the small giants in your life so that you can build the faith so when it's time to face your biggest giants and hurdles in your life, you remember, oh yeah, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I get past this right here. I stand in faith. I don't go to the cave and hide. I come to the mountaintop and look up unto the Lord for my strength. And when the enemy is closing about me, I say, God, if you are for me, who can be against me? God, I see the enemy surrounding me, but God, you got more than enough of your angels around that enemy. God, you will deliver me. God, my faith is in you. It's a training that happens when I take on the small areas of my life, then I grow my faith into bigger areas. It's a process. Start trusting God in the small things every day and let your faith grow. It's a process. And number two, remove the obstacles. That's what he told him. Remove the obstacles. I remember one time at the first church I ever worked at, I came on over the hill and I saw the field of the church on fire. And I was like, you know, trying to get my phone out and call 911. I thought someone had thrown something out the window or started a fire. But as I got around, I figured, I figured out it was no. It was our person in charge of the landscaping. They were doing a controlled burn. I'd never seen a controlled burn like this before. And he, they had it all mapped out and taken care of. And they were going to burn off the field connected to the church because what I found out was through talking and asking questions was that when you burn off a field, it takes all the unhealthy things about that field. It burns them off. And then when the rains come, it allows the health to come back. And was, that grass grows back fuller, greener, and better than ever before. But many times you got to do a controlled burn to get rid of all the weeds and unhealthy junk that has gotten into the soil and around it. And you clean it off with a healthy burn. I see this happening 
many times in our lives, I think this happens as well. God loves to do control burns in our life. Think about it. God loves to do control burns in our life. We think it's a bad thing, but really it's a God thing. And some of you have gone through small control burns in your life and you thought it was a bad thing, but God was setting you up for a good thing. God was setting you up for a better thing. God was setting you up for a blessing. And what the enemy meant to destroy your life, God turned it around for good because you didn't let up your faith and you walked in faith in your heart of season. You walked through the fire not knowing God was in control of the fire and he was allowing your enemy the things that were holding holding you back to be burned away and set aside so that health could be coming to your life. That blessing could flow into your life and he could reestablish and set you back up for a new growth season. Judges 6, 25, look what it says. We got to remove the obstacles. That same night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd. The, the one seven years old. Then he says what? Say it together. He says, tear down. Right? Let's say it together. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. He was telling him, well, his father served God, but his father had also begun to serve other idols that people were bringing in. And Baal was a very popular god at this time. And they were offering sacrifices, offering sacrifices to Baal. They had made his altar. They would bring worship God, but were also worshiping Baal. It's like they thought they could just serve two different gods and they could be blessed doubly. But instead, what they were doing was a two-sided man is unstable in all his ways. And the Lord says this, I will not take second to anybody. I will not share idle time with anybody. Either you put me first or you're going to walk under the curse of Baal. And you're going to walk under a place of suppression. They were walking in seven years of oppression because they allowed a false idol and false god to be placed in their houses. So Gideon, go tear it down. Remove the idol. I wish I had some fathers that would stand up and take down the idols the world is trying to bring to our children, to our family, and say, no, as for me and my house, we're only going to serve the Lord. On some me and my house. We're not going to fall and worship any other idol. We're going to put God first. This is what was happening. God says, remove it. Take it down. How many of us have got to take down the small idols we put in our life above God? Remove the idol. Look at this. Leadership starts with personal growth, not with public influence. See, before he could ever be a leader, he had to do some things personally. Before he could ever go lead the rest of the tribes of Israel out from oppression, he had to take care of his own personal life and his own family first. Too many people I know, they want to lead everybody else out of oppression and ignore their own family. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying I don't care how many followers you have on Instagram or Facebook. I don't care how many titles you get. If you don't win your family, what are you doing? If you're losing your family, what are you doing? It starts at home first, guys. It's, it's my house. It's my house allowed idols to come above God. Am I allowing schedules to get above God? Am I allowing other things to crowd out God? What am I doing? Too many people get this reversed. Well, I get the title, and then 
Then I do big things for God. No, no, you take the idols out of your own life first. Begin to put God first. Then God will elevate you to a place of influence and leadership. And then God will use you mightily when you begin to clean your own house up first. Listen, get your eyes off your neighbor's mess and just look at your own mess for five minutes and realize I got enough problems of my own. As for me, I got to take care of my house. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know he's preaching to you. He can't be preaching to me. Let me ask you this question. What, what idols do we have in our own heart and life? What idols need to be removed in our life? Can I ask you, what do you value most? What do you run to most when you're hurting? What do you go to for your most affirmation in your life? What do you lean on for your greatest affirmation? That probably is where our idol is at. Is it our money? Is it my job? Is it my title as a pastor? Is it my role in the community? If your identity is wrapped up in your title, it becomes an idol. Where do you get your affirmation from? Maybe our phone gets more attention than God does. I know I'm not preaching to anybody in the house, am I? All right. Pastor, what do you mean? I mean, my phone gets more attention than God does. I've had days right there. Have you? How can I change this? How we change this, we give God the first fruits of our life. That's how it changes. What's that mean? That means I'm going to give God the first part of my day. The first part of my day. When I get up in the morning, what's my first thoughts? Is my first thoughts of everything I got accomplished? Or is my first thoughts, God, today I'm going to wake up and I'm going to spend time with you. God, today I want to walk with you. Today, God, I thank you for another day. My blessings come from you. God, you are great and you receive all of my attention. My thoughts go to you. Before I do anything else on my knockout list of the day, before I start accomplishing things I got to get done on my list of things to do every day, First things first, God, you get the first thoughts of my day. God, you get the first thoughts of my evening on the drive home from work. As I decompress, God, I want to give you thanks for a day. God, thank you I was able to provide for my family. God, I thank you that I had a job. God, I thank you that, God, I'm going home to a house tonight. God, I thank you there's going to be food on my table. God, I thank you. My first thoughts of the day. How about my first thoughts when I go to bed? Am I worried about everything I got to do in the morning when I go to get up? Or my first thoughts as I lay my head down on the pillow, God, thank you for a great day. God, thank you that you are with me and my family. I mean, giving God your first thoughts. God, I give you the first fruits of my income. God, I'm trusting you. God, thank you for what you blessed me with. God, I'm using faith. I'm giving the first fruits of my income. How about the first fruits of my phone usage, right? Instead, I go and spend all time on social media I'm going to make sure I read the scripture of the day and spend some time in God's word first. I'm going to make sure I'm doing something to encourage somebody before I just go through and read all the other junk and get caught up in reels and reels and reels and reels. Okay, I guess I'm the only one who does that. All right. No, the first part belongs to the Lord. I mean, this is simple thing. How about my first Wednesday? Can I give a first Wednesday worship? Had a great service, great crowd last Wednesday, first Wednesday worship. Can you give your first Wednesday? Just, just a thought, asking you the question. How about the first day of the week? That's what we're doing today. So if you're here, congratulations, you already started that. 
Keep it a priority. I mean, just learning to give God, this is how I can constantly tear down idols in my life when I realize that everything I do, the first of my fruits, the first of my thoughts, the first of my time, the first of my attitude, the first of my words, the first of my reading, the first of my scrolling on my phone, everything first belongs to the Lord. So I make sure I don't allow idols to step up and take away. Gideon removes the idols. He removes the idols. God says, now gather the army. All right, Gideon. Gideon puts the word out. And to his amazement, 32,000 men showed up to fight in this army. He's like, whoa, now what? Only one problem. The Midianites had 132,000 men in their army. So God says this to him, listen, you got four to one odds. They outnumber you four to one. You got too many people on your team, Gideon. So ask any of them who's scared, tell them they can go home. So he gets up, hey, uh, can can you imagine this man? I mean, he's hiding in the cave. Uh, If any of you guys are scared, and see him shaking while they're doing this, you know what I'm saying? You can go home. God says it's okay to go home if you're scared. 22,000. Turn around and go home right then. So it wasn't just Gideon, okay? 22,000 other men go home scared. So that leaves them 10,000. God says this is 14 to 1 odds. Still too many. What? He says, yeah, Gideon, I want you to cut it down to 300. Do the calculations in your head. I've done it already. That's 440 to one. And God says, perfect. (laughs) Let me just tell you this. God's math is not our math. It doesn't always add up when God asks us to put him first, when God asks us to give the first part of our day, the first part of my attitude, the first part of my income. God, I can't afford that. You can't afford not to. Because when God decides to bless your obedience, he'll take the small part you give up and the small part you have left, and he'll multiply it into a great army for your life. I'm telling you, that's the way God does when we operate in faith. 300 men, Judges 7, 7, look what it says. And the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home, man. He got 300 and sent everybody else home. Wow, he's not going to give you victory. So God begins to show out and build faith in his life. Outnumbered, outpowered, outmanned, you're in good company today. Gideon sees 300 men. He feels really, really weak now. And God says, great. That's exactly where I want you to be. Because the Bible teaches when I am weak, he is That's God's math. When I am weak, he is strong. There's no way this will ever work except God. But I can tell you my life is full of that testimony. There's no other way this will work except God. There's no other way this would happen except God. But I can tell you time and time again, our God is faithful. Our God is bigger than the problems we face. And except God, except God, I wouldn't be here, neither would you. God sees our obedience and he sees power at work that he can use in our life. 
Remember, God's math is not our math. God doesn't test our faith so that we can show him how much we trust in God. He tests our faith so we can show ourselves how much we trust in God. God knows already. He, he's showing yourself you have faith. The testing of our faith is not for him. It's for us. Do you get that? The testing of my faith is not for God. It's for us. And then we see this last thing here. Write this down as we get ready to close. Gideon worshiped before the battle. Gideon worshiped before the battle. God says, go, go spy out the land. So he goes up and he begins to spy out and listen to them talk, the 132,000. And he hears these guys talking. And one guy has this dream about this loaf of bread that just, like, comes tumbling down the hill and destroys the camp. And he goes, what could that dream be? And the other guy goes, well, that means that the other, the other people, children of God, they're going to defeat us. And Gideon hears this. He's like, all right, all right, all right. They already know. They already know God's going to give them to us. And so look what Judges says here in Judges seven fifteen. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and what? He worshiped. Before the battle, he worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out and said, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianites' camp into your hands. Get up! God has given you the battle. Get up! And that's what I feel like today as your pastor. I want to say, get up! God has already given you the battle. Get up! God wants to bring you victory. Get up! Out of your depression. Get up! Out of your anxiety. Get up! Out of your fear. Get up! Feeling sorry for yourself. Get up and say, God is bringing victory to your life. God is bringing victory to your home. God is bringing victory to your family. God is bringing victory to your health and your finances. Stand on your feet this morning. God brings the victory. And so what happens next is simply this. They go in to the camp while they're sleeping. 132,000 asleep. 300 men sneak in. They take torches in. But over the torches they put their clay pots so that it wasn't shining bright. And they brought their trumpets with them. And Gideon said, alright, for the 300 guys, he goes, this is what's going to happen. We're going to surround them. And when I give you the cue, we're going to sound the trumpet as loud as we can. And when we do, I want you to start breaking your clay pots. Hold your torches high. Just shout out to the Lord. And as they did that, they blow these trumpets. Woo! I mean, if the sound happens, all of a sudden these guys who are asleep get up in the middle of the night. or like, what is that noise? All of a sudden, all these loud trumpets. And then they hear this breaking all across. And all of a sudden, the light's so bright. They get up, they can't see, they're scared, and they start fighting each other. And the enemy fought itself and killed itself when the people of God let worship lead the way. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to lift your hands today and say, God, I'm going to worship you in every battle. God, I'm going to worship you and let my faith grow in every battle. Come on now. I